0: Bye. Hey, what's going on? Who that nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast, and I have a special guest with me here on the State of the Saints podcast. I have college football and NFL analyst Mike Detier. Hey, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for uh, being back here on the State of the Saints podcast to talk some Saints football with us. We really do appreciate it. No problem. Uh, yeah, the first thing is uh well, the the first half of the season is over Mike, and uh the Saints are two and two right now. They're five hundred team, but uh, you look at the New Orleans Saints, it, it seems like they're going in a little bit of a different direction than what we're actually used to the Saints. you know that we're used to the Saints uh being that team that throw the ball down the field, explosive plays, but it seems like the the running game has been the narrative of this team, so, Mike, uh, what have you thought about the Saints running game uh, the first half of the season? No, when you're patient with the running
1: game, you win games. This football team has played over 77 games under Sean Payton, in which they have rushed the football 30 times or more in a game. They've won 95%. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I didn't go to Cornell or Harvard or Yale, but even (laughs) I can figure that one out. That's pretty simple. Uh, You got to control the tempo of a football game with the running game. And not every game is going to be 42 carries. But you got to have some patience with the running game. You didn't have patience with it against the Las Vegas Raiders. You didn't have patience with it against the Green Bay Packers. And you got beat. You put your defense right back on the field and up and down the field. You couldn't stop them. So like if before the game, Somebody gave you the statistics of what the game was going to be at the end. First thing I'm looking for, the amount of carries rushing the football. Because that does mean something. You know, right. when you play in almost 80 games and you win in 95 because you rush the football 30 times or more, that tells you a lot about this football team. Absolutely. Also, giveaway, takeaway. Okay, you were even, dead even last week. Yeah. 1-1. But time of possession... <laughs> you basically captured the moment at that point you yes. were way ahead of the game right. and also i look at third down conversions i think that to me third down conversions and getting off the field on third down that's as important as giveaway takeaway right the saints man they were 10 for 14 on third down conversions wow that's 71 percent
0: yep
1: hey listen if you get the 50 in this league You're doing a great job. You got to 71. (laughs) You took care of business against a bad football team defensively. You did what you were supposed to do. But many times those type games sort of slip away. What I was impressed with, with six starters out and six Mm -hmm. good starters out. The threat of the COVID situation possibly catching them overnight. And on the road, you know, you still found a way to win. And and you basically gave him 14 points right yes. off the bat, 14 <laughs> points. You gave it to him, you are able to come back. So that to me showed a lot of grit on this football team that they were able to overcome that. And I can't tell you why. I wish I could explain it. We've asked Coach Payton on the Coach's Show. He's always talked about getting off the fast starts. We need to get better in September. They they've been a middle of the road team in September. Yep. Come October, the last 20 games, this football team has been 18 wins, two losses.
0: Wow. That's
1: not good. That's dominant.
0: Yeah. Well, you
1: can win 18 of your last 20 games in the month of October. Right. So almost like, man, listen, if they could have pushed this season back and not started till October, you'd be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It, it it's still is part of the game that you, when you look at it. You impressed that you were able to control the clock. You got to stop when you needed to. And P-Rob's interception was big. I mean,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, it was. you could
1: see, Stafford was hot, and he was throwing the football well. Get that that pickoff uh, that in the end zone. But the control the clock, third down conversions, and with all the adversity around you. Because nobody cares. Come yes. on. You know, it, yeah, it's nobody cares in this league. They can care less. If you got six starters out or oh, whatever, you didn't get no sleep, man, that's your problem. I got no <laughs> problem. You know, it's like hearing, you know, you work with somebody and they tell you, man, let me tell you about my problems. But, you know, you had your refrigerator go out overnight. Your air conditioner is not working right. You got car troubles. Man, you say, okay, you got troubles, but look at the troubles I got. So, <laughs> that's the way the NFL looks at it, too. Man, I don't care. But yeah. you were able to fight through it. And uh, then I look, I was impressed for a guy who did not see much playing time throughout the first three games. P Rob played big. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Robinson played big. He wasn't going up against no chump receivers. I mean, Detroit got some really good wideouts. I thought he did a heck of a job. He's earned himself the opportunity to see more playing time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Patrick Robinson did outstanding job. And, uh, you Know he had a lot of a lot of members of the who that nation were really concerned when they see PJ Williams and Patrick Robinson being on. I know I was, <laughs> I thought this was gonna be a track meet, you know, and I thought and I thought that uh Matt Stafford was gonna throw for 500 yards, but uh, they 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 weathered the storm and they did a, a really good job in the secondary. I mean, you got to give them props for that. Uh, but you mentioned the word dominant, uh, I don't think that any word would be better to suit alvin kamara right now alvin kamara is playing like on another level uh i think that he should be i know this is very early but you you see mike they they normally talk about quarterbacks uh being mvps why is it that somebody like uh alvin kamara can't be in an mvp discussion right now do you think he should be in an mvp discussion right now
1: yeah i mean you're quarter into the season and so it's real early but uh man listen i work with six four man NFL quarterbacks each week you know that thing is nothing trumps quarterbacks and you know what they're right nothing trumps that quarterback position but you know Alvin's been terrific for this football team you look at it what he's meant as a runner and a receiver is there a more valuable player in this league other than the quarterbacks than Alvin Kamara Yeah. so yes he deserves to be if you're talking about early he deserves to be in that conversation because in normally in the NFC South the last couple of years, it's been Christian McCaffrey, yeah. you know, because one thing with the Panthers, man, they feed him the ball. Yeah. You know, I, it don't matter if it's 20 times a game as a runner, six times a game as a receiver, they feed it to him. Sean, I think for, at one time had sort of a pitch count with Alvin, you know, kind of not wanting to get him beat up, right. but without Michael Thomas, you had no choice at that point, that you had to upload that ante on Alvin Kamara. And mm-hmm. I think that that one to punch, man, because my big belief is you see what Latavius Murray can add to this team, he too. Is. You need to get him 10 or more carries each game. That's why I think the big key to success offensively is certainly getting more people involved. And you saw it last week, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders, him being able to hook up with Drew And also Traquan, because, you know, Traquan was the all-potential player, okay? He had talent. Mm -hmm. He was a good downfield blocker. He's a tough guy over the middle. But Traquan never played with a sense of confidence as a receiver. Man, you talk to some receivers, you'd swear, like, they're the greatest receiver since Jerry Rice. They don't (laughs) catch nothing. Not that Traquan's like that, but he doesn't – he hadn't shown that confidence in his overall play. And people want to say, well, he broke this right off. Break. No, it's not about route running. It's about between the ears. You got to believe that every game you're going to be dominant. I know one thing. When Michael Thomas hits that field, it don't matter if it's a practice or a, a NFL game, he thinks he's better than you. And most mm. of the time, he is. But he <laughs> takes that mentality because he believes it and he plays like it. Yeah. Let's see if Traquan can build on that because – the one thing this game might have been able to do is get that connection hooked up with the vet and Emmanuel Sanders, but also give Craig that confidence that, man, listen, you can make plays. Just go out there and do it game in, game out, and add Michael Thomas to the mix. Now you talking now. are you talking? <laughs> are you talking? And this, this football team has shown with that offensive line, when they're healthy, they're as good as anybody. Now yeah. we did see two. Once Ramchak went down, you know, Ethan Greenwich, oh, yeah. that was tough. You know, yeah. he, he like, you know, he didn't like know who to block at times. So, yeah. that, again, it goes back to, you know, we you and I have talked about this the last time. You can't know your plays every once in a while. Right. you got to know every play. That's why you sit in the bench and they're watching. Right. Uh, you know, we thought maybe Adam Troutman would get more snaps mm-hmm. in this game without Cook. That's the reason he didn't play. Cause I think the coaching staff maybe feels he doesn't know every little bit to put him out on that field. Right. But uh, man, I was impressed. Traequan Emmanuel Sanders coming through big, but all of that was opened up because the Saints can run the football.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the Saints running the football. I mean, forty-two times. I mean, I can't. I can't remember the last time I. I can remember the Saints running the ball forty-two times, but uh, I mean, it was it was beautiful to watch. But, I mean, you mentioned uh, Ryan Ramchick, uh <laughs> when he left the game, the running game left with him, and they put in Ethan Greenidge. But we know now that uh, Ryan Ramchick uh, is in concussion protocol. Uh, how devastating would this be if Ryan Ramchick won't be able to play this Monday against the Los Angeles Chargers? Well, the good news is
1: that you don't play Sunday, you play Monday. Right. So you got an extra day that he can come back, you know, all concussions aren't the same, you know, Uh, because I've been around enough NFL players. They'll tell you, you know, you get dinged up a little bit. Right. By Thursday and Friday, you start to feel better, mm-hmm. you know, and I work with a bear and, you know, he's telling me, man, I had a couple concussions. Might come Sunday. My head was still fuzzy. And mm-hmm. I told him you still ain't got over that. You still fuzzy <laughs> in the head from, from them concussions. And so, uh You know, we get a good laugh out of it, but it's really not funny. But Mm -hmm. one of the things is every concussion is a little bit different. Hopefully, he can come back and play. If not, my thing is James Hurst has played a lot of football in this league. He's played a lot on the right side. But, man, the way Ethan played, I got to put Hurst in that lineup, at right tackle. I I, I mean, I got to do it because he's played a lot of right guard. He's played some left tackle, some right tackle. But my thing is, if he's healthy, you know, and and he gets it, man, Hurst is playing. Uh, Because you can tell right now, Ethan is not quite ready for prime time. I know uh, Buddy Zach Streif, man, he raves about him. He thinks that in time, Ethan Greenwich will be a really good NFL player. But you can see, man, he was way ahead of the skis. Uh, You know, (laughs) that body was way ahead of the skis uh, when he played against Detroit. And they were coming after him. You know, so again, <clears throat> you're not playing in the backyard no more, okay? Right. For people, oh, he ought to know his plays. What? Come on. This ain't flag football in your backyard. <laughs> you know, this ain't high school football, and you ain't Fresh. Al Bundy. This is the NFL. <laughs> Them guys getting paid. And so you got to know what to do on every snap and know how to adjust. Now, remember, he came in initially for Tehran on the left side.
0: Yeah. Because Tehran
1: got banged up, and he came in there. Then he went to Ryan's side. You no, know, it's a big loss, to answer your question. Yep. I know it's a long way around it, but that's a big loss if you don't have Ryan Ramchak in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, all this stuff about next man up, man, I never believe n- none of that. I- I'm not a big believer in that. That's great for high school football. That's great to tell in the locker room. But in reality is, the Saints don't have nobody that can play right tackle. like Even in the same zip code as Ryan Ramchak, that would be a big loss for him going up against the Chargers, and they got Bosa and Ingram. You know, you play two guys that know how to come off that edge really, really hard. And sometimes what you watch, when you watch and film with the Chargers, you see they're not necessarily always right side, left side. They kind of switch around. So you got elements there, but you shouldn't lose to a rookie quarterback. And I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. I really am. I think he's got a chance to be special in this league, but in watching filming him, he's doing exactly what he did at Oregon. He throws that little ball out, out flat mm-hmm. to the receiver, uh, out to the running back with Austin Eckler. Now, Austin's not going to be in the lineup. So, how they're going to do that is going to be interesting. There's yeah. Kelly going to take over that role. I think you're going to see some of Tyrod Taylor mm-hmm. playing some of the RPO plays mm-hmm. uh, at quarterback, also to give him some sense of a running game but either he throws it real short or real long yeah because that's what he can do well man he he got a gun he can throw the football real deep downfield so the saint's gonna have to be cognizant here to show him a few different looks not to give him that shot of sitting back in that pocket and just rifling it downfield and we saw it last week even against uh, tampa bay he had a couple of deep passes what's missing from his game the intermediate stuff They don't throw a lot. They throw a little bit of it, but not a lot of it. Man, if I had Keenan Allen, that's what I'm doing because that's where he excels in that short intermediate part of the game. But with Justin, he's more of a stretch the field type guy. And so I can adjust my defense to that if that's what they're going to do like they've been doing the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, um, I think Justin Herbert, I mean, he has great arm talent. I know they had a lot of, uh, question marks him coming out of uh, college about his leadership and also like his his deep ball accuracy. But he he quickly uh, answered those questions at the combine, you know, when he was throwing the ball down the field. And I mean, the fact that he was thrown thrown into the game, going up against the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, and, and gave them a run for their money. I mean, that says a lot about this kid. And I, I think the sky's the limit for Justin Herbert. No doubt about that. Uh, but but, how much uh, are
1: they going to miss Eckler? I, I think that's oh, a big yeah, key Because you know what? You can't be the one-dimensional in on this game. You know, the Saints should know because they've tried that before. Without Eckler, you know, what type of – how will they gather some rushing attack? Right. You might say, well, the rookie Kelly can do it. Well, here's my deal. If you're going to throw the deep ball against me, you know what Kelly got to do? He got to pass. Yeah, protect. Yep, I yep. want to see if he can do that. Because, you know, one thing with a rookie – Running back, you gotta learn. They don't ask you a lot to pass protect, field, but every once in a while, they'll ask you to to come on in there. And yes. that's what made to me Clyde edwards hilaire such a great player,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because LSU asked Clyde when they spread you out. Hey, listen, you gotta stay in, help block. And every yeah. once in a while, boy, you saw that safety roll in on Burrow, and you know, you know, Clyde's five seven. Clyde just, like, kind of cartwheeled him. You know, he got lower, just sort of cartwheeled him. That takes a little bit of practice because you're not used to doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're starting to see now what I thought would happen, that the offenses dominated the first quarter of play in the NFL. Yeah. It won't be much longer. Now, we're getting a little cooler weather. The defense is not coming around because you know what? If I'm a receiver on a tight end, I can go get my quarterback. Even in the COVID stuff, I can go out there and I can go practice it. Okay, if I'm a middle linebacker, how many dudes coming out work with me? (laughs) You know, in the offseason. You know, in essence, I'm working out on my own. I'm not up against all of that. And I think you're going to start to see the defenses becoming better overall in the NFL. But it might be another week from now. Because I still think that the offenses have a huge advantage.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I I was uh, shocked the way that you have teams that are known for elite defenses like the Seahawks. I mean, how much? I mean, they the points shredded. they're giving up, and, and y'all yeah, getting shredded like cheese, as I would say. You know, like it's just, it's just amazing. Um, you know, but I, I do think the offense has been dominant. I mean, you look all around the board. I mean, the offenses of teams have been dominant. I mean, we 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 want to focus on offense but let's talk about a topic that has been on the minds of a lot of members of the who that nation. And that's drew Brees. Uh, drew Brees. A lot of people have been asking the question, like, you know, is he on a decline? Is he washed up? Can he throw the ball down the field? He proved that he can throw the ball down the field in a game versus the Detroit lions. But Mike, uh, what is it about drew Brees uh, over the past few weeks? Why didn't he throw the ball down the field? In your opinion, um, was it chemistry between those receivers? Or was it just the fact that maybe this forty-one-year-old quarterback may had that had to second-guess himself? Well,
1: it, it's always more than one thing, you know that. It, it, there's always more than one thing. Listen, at forty-one years old, you're not as good as you were when you were thirty-one. Right. You know, bottom line, you're yeah. not going to be as good. And look, nobody, you no know, other than me, Brady. And I don't <laughs> know what he's doing or drinking or taking, but man, uh, you know, he he's still Brady like you saw ten years ago. But he's an exception to the rule. And Drew is still going to be able to touch greatness. Mm. you know. But here's the thing. is the consistency level of doing yeah, it. So and cool. I remember this. It was a couple of years back when the Saints signed Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, that was all kind of write-ups in the paper. Man, Adrian Peterson. Man, we're going to see like the 25-year-old Adrian Peterson. Yes. I'm like, what? But I got a <laughs> phone call from Jimmy Taylor, a former uh, NFL Hall of Fame uh, running back with mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers at yeah. the LSU, lived in Louisiana, and he was like, "Come on, Mike, ain't no way Adrian Peterson with all in touches, he can be a 25 year old man no more." <laughs> he said, "Listen, he he can still be good, but he he said here's my thing about it." And I thought about it after watching Drew. He said, "When I, my last two years with the Packers, I," he said, "Throughout that last year with the Saints, he said, you know, uh, I was playing on a behind the expansion team offensive line." And I couldn't play anymore. But Mm. he said, with my last two years with the Packers, I could touch greatness. Yeah. But he said, the part about it is, I couldn't do it week to week. Yeah. You know, like the man upstairs sort of takes it away from you. And we get so used to Drew being great all the time and sort of carrying this team that when he's not like that, it's, oh, he's all washed. No, he's not washed up. Mm. But he is showing some effects. Of, of getting older like everybody else in this league when right. you get older. Right. You're going to show some effects. Can he still touch greatness? Yeah, he still right. can. And you saw it against the Lions. Man, he got hot, yep. and the Lions were like, oh, here we go. There ain't right. no way to stop him. Yep. And so I, I do think the difference we're going to see, and this is where the running game I think is so crucial, that in games maybe he isn't quite what we used to seeing, you got the running game to back him up. Yep. So he might not be great, but if he's good to very good and you got a running game, he don't have to be great. And mm-hmm. I always believe this that uh sometimes lesser Drew is better. Yeah. Because you got to get that running game cranked up. So to answer your question, yeah, at 41, he's not the player he was five years ago. Uh nobody would be. It's just superhuman. That's why Father Time is undefeated and untied. And he got the ropes open tall. Hey, y'all want to walk in? I'll take (laughs) on every one of y'all. Hey, we saw it. If it was Muhammad (laughs) Ali, if it was Michael Jordan, if you name it, all those great players, Jerry Rice, you can go on and on. Father Time catches up with you. Can you still play at a high level? Yes. But it's the consistency level that he's, you know, the man just sort of takes it away from you right. little by little. And so, yeah. uh, but I look at it this way. The, the Broncos a couple years back won a world's title. They won the mm-hmm. Super Bowl with right. Peyton Manning. And Peyton yeah. will tell you, he got benched that year. They put in Brock Osweiler. For <laughs> games, and they put Peyton back. <clears throat> right. But what they could do, great defense running game. It's supplemented that what Peyton didn't have anymore And they won the Super Bowl. So, as a kid, I saw the Baltimore coach win a Super Bowl with Johnny Unitas. Mm. Okay? And and Earl Morrow. Now, both them cats, they were way up in age. They were deep in their 30s playing, and they won a Super Bowl with those two guys. So, yes, uh, there is the consistency level that won't be the same with Drew. But can he touch greatness? Yes, indeed, you know, we
0: Man. saw it Sunday. He Man. he was awfully good. Yeah, yeah, he definitely was. Um, it was something to watch, you know. And um, it, it was just one of those games. where I, I looked at Drew, it was almost you, like you can see the fire in his eyes, like you can see the passion. You, it it seems like a guy who who who's seen all the you know the seen all the tabloids and 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 watched all the videos about how people are talking about how the Saints can't win with him as a quarterback it seemed like he bottled all that up and he 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 went out there and he shut up a lot of critics you know a lot of people out there we all know this
1: okay players and coaches all tell you the same oh i don't read the newspaper i don't listen to the radio i'm not on social media you know that's a bunch of horse hockey because they can tell you everything (laughs) that people say why are you upset with the media or people that say something if you're not Watching TV, listen to the radio, on social media. Come on, right. we right. all know human nature tells you you're gonna go look at that. You know because right. we live in that world today. We, right. we just live in it. No matter who you are, you're gonna see that. Come on, that gets under Drew. Because Drew's the ultimate competitor. Yeah, and his deal is okay. I'm gonna show you. I, yep. I'm gonna show you. And yeah. but I think Drew knows this himself. The fact that we're learning more and more about how close he came to retire yeah. after last year, tells you he knows that, you know, his time is basically, you know, he's in the winter years yeah. of his playing career. Um, And so we're going to miss him. All I know is. Yeah, uh, we are. And I say this today. I still don't think the quarterback in the future is on this roster.
0: <laughs> you took I the word right out of my mouth. Oh, my goodness.
1: for the Saints is, is not on this roster today. Mm,
0: he's somewhere
1: same, else. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that can step in because it's like you've got all the other pieces around you. All you need is a guy that can come in, just drive the car, just don't wreck it,
0: right. don't
1: wreck it. And yeah. so uh, uh, you, you can see where, the way this football team is built. Uh, but, man, for this year, I think a big key is Sean, patience, Sean Payton's patience rushing the football, and secondly, pressure breaks the pipe. Yeah. you got to get a better pass rush. Yeah. Now, I think that, that that's a big key. because They're showing they can stop the run, but to me, you know, with your secondary, you got to get a pass rush.
0: Yeah. Yeah, speaking of pass rush, since we're talking about this, talk about Marcus Davenport. You know, Marcus Davenport – yet again um, he's been dealing with injuries but Trey Hendrickson has stepped up and has done a a really good job I mean he's leading the team in sacks right now quarterback pressures and quarterback hurries now if Marcus Davenport can go on Monday would you put him into the starting lineup or would you make him battle it out with Trey Hendrickson for that starting position
1: first game I would start Trey Okay, his first Mm -hmm. game back, I would start Trey. But I would get Marcus a lot of snaps Mm -hmm. uh, in there. Uh, I just, you know, the one thing about, I hate to be critical of any player with an injury because everybody's tolerance of pain is different. Some people, man, they they can tolerate pain Mm -hmm. tremendously. Uh, And some guys can't. You know, their, their play dramatically drops off. Right. And so he comes back from the elbow, then he got a toe injury. Okay, if he got a turf toe injury, man, you can't do nothing. Mm. You know, with your big toe, man, that, that's <laughs> difficult to run, to plant, to move, anything yeah. else.
0: Right, Marcus
1: is a very talented player. Yeah. The problem is, for whatever reason, he has not been able to hit the field. Mm. You gave up a lot to get him. So much is expected. When much is given up, much is expected Yo. from you as a football player. But to answer your question, if he's healthy and Trey's healthy, game one back, you come off the bench. Yeah. Trey deserves that opportunity to start and then let Marcus work his way back into the lineup. But it would be a big help for this team because of Marcus gives you another athletic element. Mm -hmm. Trey, man, he gives you everything he's got, man. He empties the bucket every game, every game, every game. He empties the bucket uh, as a player. With Marcus, you can see athletically, ain't a lot he can't do as a player. It's just staying healthy. And uh, and I can't explain why, but you see it patterned. A guy gets hurt, and he gets hurt again, and he gets hurt again, and he gets hurt again, you know, and it it sort of like stays with him for a long time. And you got guys playing this league eight, nine years, and they don't miss nothing, no time at all. So he's a big part of their six, my opinion, for December and January to have Marcus Davenport and Sheldon Rankins on the field in December and January is crucial for the Saints because they have not finished the last two seasons with those two guys on the field. Those last games, Davenport and Rankins were not there. They need them when you're playing in December and January.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely need uh, him to be on the field. You know, Mike, I just think that a lot of a lot of members of the Huda Nation are, are just a little frustrated because I think they look at it from two different angles, right? You see Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan has been the king of durability. For 10 years, he has never missed a game. And then they take a look at Baltimore, and they look at Lamar Jackson being league MVP. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people thought when the Saints moved up uh, you know, trading with the Green Bay Packers. Everybody thought they was going to go after Lamar Jackson. And they decided to get him. And you see what Lamar is doing out there, league MVP taking a league by storm. And people are like, well, maybe Lamar could have been doing this with us. Why, you know what I'm saying? Why did we sacrifice so much for this guy? I mean, I know he has a lot of talent. I mean, you look at pro football focus. I mean, his ability to stop the run. He's always up there in the top tier at, at his position at, at run stoppage. And you know, like, if a guy is starting off like that, eventually, I mean, he's going to become an elite pass rusher. And a lot of people compare his ability almost to a Javon Kirst or, a, you know what I'm saying, a Jadavion Clowney. But uh, it just a fact like, everybody frustrated because he's never on the field. And um, as far as Trey Hendrickson is concerned, I- I've said this before, like, Trey Hendrickson is going to be a starter on somebody's team next year. I don't know if the Saints are going to be able to sign him, but he's going to be a starter somewhere on somebody else's team uh because he he he, like you say he gives his all and he and he's and i don't think a lot of people understand like how good he was in college i mean he he ran you know he had some disciplinary trouble but i mean he had 13 and a half sacks his junior year nine sacks his senior year so i mean if if they can get this all together if they can put it all together i think the saints uh you know they have what they need but it's just a frustration about not being on the field that's that's what really irks a lot of uh, members of, of the Who that Nation. I mean, that's I get emails and people inbox me all the time about that, no, no doubt about it. Uh, well, here's another, my thing. 31 uh-huh.
1: other teams passed on Lamar, too. Yeah. This wasn't the Saints. Everybody did. Right. You know, so if you the Jets, so <laughs> if you Cleveland, all, and all those other teams, you passed on Lamar, too. Right. And I do know the Saints wanted Lamar to come in to visit late, which, right. which means something. I think when they're asking you to come in, now, Lamar's deal, how it was handled wasn't right. He didn't come in for right. that accepted invitation to come into work. Now, it wasn't just the Saints now. It was a right. number of teams he right. didn't come in for. Would that have made a difference? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know with Sean, there are certain elements there that, you know, he likes to see in a player. So, right. you come <laughs> in, you talking to him one-on-one, you build that relationship, and you can say, oh, it's team Saints. Everybody right. – has a say in it. All I know is I know the dude who got the chalk in his hand at the end, and that's Sean Payton. Right. He's saying, hey, listen, that's the guy I want. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you like what like a lot of other teams is, what? Well, how did we miss on Lamar? How, yeah. how did we miss not trying to understand what he could have brought to the table as a player? Right. The other defensive end, and Sean brought this up a couple weeks to us, was mm-hmm. Carl Granderson. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sean brought I think he made an interesting thing. He said, man, I just hit the league because he's talking about Gruden. He said, you know, I was coaching on that Eagle staff and Gruden was there. And he said, I didn't have much interaction with him. But he he said, you know, he was a defensive end. I was coaching on the (laughs) offensive side and I was a young coach. But he said, who he looks a lot like is Richard Dent. Wow. And I thought about this because when Ditka was here, Um, and you had some one-on-one time with him. You know, we would talk about, you know, certain players with the Bears, Mm. and he brought up the situation with Dent. He said, you know, when he was at Tennessee State, he said he had um, teeth issues, Mm. and so he couldn't put weight on. So he said, we drafted him in the middle rounds. We brought him in, and he talked about, man, you know, I'm having trouble with my teeth and all that. He said, we got his teeth uh, all straightened out. We got his dental issues straightened out. Right. And he said he went from like 238 pounds to like 270 pounds. Mm-hmm. But he said, you look at Granderson and how Dent are built are the same. And he right. said, they both have the same sort of takeoff. Right. Now he wasn't trying to compare Granderson's talent to Richard Dent. Mm-hmm. Does that, that's special.
0: Right. But
1: the fact that he brought it up, you know, cause he's a little bit like coach O he don't write this story for you, but he's trying to tell you something that, Cole Grandison's a really good player yeah. and now Cole's weights up mm-hmm. and he's learning the league very, very well. So, right. uh, you know, for the saints, you would love to have Trey come back. Right. But it, it may be, he feels he's got a better opportunity somewhere else. Right. But Grandison is waiting in the wings. Right. So to speak, uh, to take over that particular spot. Yep. And with Davenport having so many injuries you can understand why you would want that and understand why yeah. this football team, man, they got the shovel and they were digging dirt to try to get your Clowney. They were doing <laughs> everything. And they dug a yeah. big hole to try to get Clowney here. Yeah. You understand now why yeah. Sean always talks about pass rushes or a premium in this league. You got to do what you got to do to get them. Yeah. And, um, this ain't a showing story, but it's a Coach O's story. I told him, man, you'll find the next great pass rusher before you find the next great quarterback.
0: Hmm. And
1: he was like, what? And I said, no, I got it backwards. You'll find the next great quarterback before you got the next great defensive end wow. at LSU. It's hard. Those guys, when we go to these camps, and, you know, and they start, tweet, tweet, tweet. Okay, defensive tackles here, <laughs> offensive tackles here. <clears throat> Receivers, y'all go over there. Man, if you're in front of the receiving core, you get run over.
0: <laughs> they got so
1: many guys running that idea. defensive ends you can get in front of that it's like six guys they just walk around you mm-hmm. so it's a different world because i think seven on seven has changed the world mm-hmm. and you see what was marcus in high school he's a wide receiver yeah. he goes to ut san antonio and frank wilson and i'll put him at defensive end right. i see the best defensive end in this draft class gregory russo from mm-hmm. miami florida what he was in high school he's a wide receiver. Hmm. So that sort of thing, I think you're going to see more and more of those guys are few and far between. And that's why I think even in the colleges like in Alabama and LSU, well, LSU got one in alley gay, but uh, you can see that those guys are not plentiful. Now receivers, man, you got them.
0: Oh yeah. You know,
1: but, but every year, (laughs) they becoming hard, hard to find. So, I understand why Sean did what he tried to do to get clowny here. Mm-hmm. And he might not be what you want to call an elite player, but he's very good. Yeah, He's he's a very good football player.
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing that stood out to me about Carl Granderson, Mike, was when they did an interview with him during training camp, and he was just ranting and raving about special teams and trying to be a, a, a good special teams player. And, you know, when you think about special teams, I mean, we all know that's kind of like the – Last line, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, or the last way that you can actually make a team, or you, you know, you, you go on special teams and then you develop, and maybe if they find a role for you, at, at, you know, what I'm saying at a wide receiver position or a linebacker position. But just the fact that he was willing to, you know, go out there and try to give his all for special teams, that that stood out to me. You know, that, that that shows me right there that he his head is in the right place. And I also seen that that uh that strip fumble he had on Tom Brady. I watched that play. I mean, he got off the ball so fast, like <laughs> it was in a, in the a backfield so quick. So he, he definitely got a, a a very quick first step. So I mean, Carl Granderson is one of those guys that I mean, I'm glad that the Saints invested in him. I mean, we all know his story, you know, when the Saints uh, first got him. But it's good to see that he's on the right track. I mean, he he looks like he's in great shape, and um, I just like his motor. I think he I think he has a lot of promise, also. The other thing is Malcolm
1: oh, Roach. And, and oh, how yes, Malcolm's oh, developed, too.
0: Ooh, yes. And so the
1: Saints, you know, they've got one of the best defensive line coaches in the game.
0: Yeah. And Ryan
1: Nielsen, I mean, it's unbelievable to watch him work yeah. with athletes. And I don't care if it's a high school athlete, college athlete, professional athlete, the technique part of the game. He sort of learned, you know, the technical part of the game from Ed Ogeron because Ed was his coach at USC. He got his first start in the coaching at Ole Miss with Ed, and uh, he's learned under Pete Jenkins. You know, Pete's yeah. the godfather of defensive mm-hmm. line coaches. Mm-hmm. So you can see they bring in this young talent, and, you know, there's still a little bit of development there. But what yeah. he's done with Trey, what he's done with Carl, what he's been able to do with Malcolm Roach, with Shy Tuttle, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. didn't, other than Trey – you didn't spend a draft choice on Roach. You didn't uh-huh. spend any on Grandison, none on Shy Tuttle. So he's been able to take that talent and develop it extremely, extremely well. So, well, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's a strong spot for the Saints. And it would be even better if you had Marcus healthy.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that once he gets back into the lineup and – hopefully he can stay healthy. You know, I think they will have a, a, a pretty good pass rush. I just think it's it's hard to, like, just kind of, I guess, dissect this defensive line because they they never really been on the field at the same time for an extended amount of time. Like, they might play maybe two, three games together and then someone else, then someone gets hurt. And like you said, uh, Sheldon Rankins and Davenport, They I don't, wait, Davenport, I don't think Davenport ever played in a playoff game, right? I don't think he ever played in one. I mean, so, yeah, so, I mean, it would be good to see these guys, you know, together and see what they, you know, can possibly do. Uh, I want to ask you a last question about Michael Thomas. You know, Michael Thomas, uh, he's been out of the lineup with a high ankle sprain uh, week one, you know, the friendly fire. You know, he ended up getting rolled up. Uh, He misses about uh, four games. Uh, But there is talk to say that he could possibly play this Monday. Now, Mike, an elite wide receiver like Michael Thomas, uh, would you risk him playing in this game against the Los Angeles Chargers or would you wait to after the bye week, you know, giving him an extra week to heal, would, would you do something like that? Or, I mean, what is your take on Michael Thomas? Well, yeah,
1: I work with the crew at Thibodeau Regional Medical Center and the, uh, the guys there that do orthopedic work and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll always tell you it's at least three weeks – and you're not gonna feel the same until five or six weeks. Hmm. You're not gonna feel a hundred percent. You might be able to play that fourth week, but you're not gonna be a hundred percent. The big part is how much pain and swelling's involved once you work in, in practice. Because now, for the first time, that you're putting some weight and you know some torque on that ankle. Now you figure at wide receiver. It's your ability to get off the line of scrimmage. It's your ability to get into and out of a cut and a break.
0: Right.
1: All that's a lot of torque on that ankle. How well your ankle responds during the week? Now, it looked to be last week, his ankle responded pretty well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But a lot of times I see this in players, it's the second week. Man, man, my ankle starting to swell up more. Because now you put a little bit of tension. You've grown it for a couple of days with that. And then all of a sudden comes back. So his body's going to tell you if he's ready. And it's not Michael Thomas's call. Okay? Right. That, that's taken out of his hands. That's right. the call of the medical team and the head coach right. on, on if he plays. But in essence, they're looking at his medicals. If right. his ankle is swelling up, how well he feels. Because if you ask Mike, hey, can you play? I'm ready to play. Right. You can't go by the player. <laughs> You know, right. you can't go by him. You, you got to take it out of his hands, put it in the medical staff, and they see it. Okay, right. they see if you're swelling up. You know, and also, too, you know, at one time they used to give you a shot dead in that mm-hmm. ankle. Right. Well, here's the one thing. You could play, and the next day you can't move your foot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's <laughs> like you're trying to drag it to, right. to, to walk, and mm-hmm. it makes it even worse. I think he could play Monday night. If everything is okay with the swelling and how well he maneuvers around. Now, will you see the Michael Thomas that you saw before? No, because that's he, that's going to be down the road. Right. But for most ankle sprains, it's funny, um, last year, Tua Tonga Valoa, he had the high ankle sprain. He played against mm-hmm. LSU a couple weeks later, and he was good in that game, but he ain't playing wide receiver. Right. But then he messes up the hip. So mm-hmm. – uh, he won the Bobby Bowden Award in New Orleans. He comes in here and I got a chance to go behind kind of backstage to talk to him and everything. He didn't he he was walking, walked up the stairs, had no problems with his uh with his hip. He right. told me, you know what bothers me? My ankle. <laughs> wow. So we talking now, that's like seven or eight weeks later. He said that bothered him a lot, that ankle. Uh wow. so you you get it. That once you got it, and I've had a lot of the orthopedic guys say, when you got a high ankle sprain, it's like you broke your ankle.
0: Yep. When you, yeah. Because that,
1: that's how it feels. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in, into that deal. But for everyday people who maybe it's not on their feet all the time and that sort of thing, okay, if you're sitting behind a desk or, you know, you got a place you can kind of rest, it's okay. Come on, you can't do that on an NFL game. You got to play. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I think Michael Thomas plays Monday. Hmm. This is just a gut feeling. I think he plays Monday, but I think they'll be very cautious with him on how they use him and the sort of plays that's called for him to be involved. I I think that they'll be cautious with that if he does play Monday night, but man, Mike's a tough guy. You can't go by what Mike says, you know, because, you know, everybody said, oh, Mike says he can play. Man, that's the last dude I'm talking to. He's right. the very last one. Right. No, I want to hear what the doctor and Sean Payton says. Because they see him. They see the medical reports on him. For an athlete, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go. Right. Uh, but I'm telling you, that's going to bother him. Not If he comes back Monday, it, he ain't cured.
0: It's going to be another two, three weeks down the road before
1: he's close to 100%. All
0: right. Well, th- do you think they will use him more as a decoy, or would you think he'll be an integral part of man, the ain't no, <laughs> him, ain't no decoy with Mike. I'm playing him. Ain't no decoy with him.
1: You know what I mean? My deal is, though, he's out there to catch passes. They're using him as no decoy. Right. Um, you know, he's you know, he just a great player. Mm-hmm. And you saw for two games how much you missed him. Yeah. How much because, you know, we do live in a society where we don't want to believe that somebody's that much better than the next guy. Yeah. But there are people in every profession right. that, okay, if you hear, they hear.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, people don't like to hear that, because we live in that everybody get a trophy society, right. everybody's happy and everything else. But there is a cut between the great player and a good player. Right. And Mike's a great player. Yeah. And so... The, that's why he is who he is. You saw those two games, man, against the Raiders and against the Packers where yes. you, you staring downfield hoping to make a play with somebody. Mm. And I think Sean's thought was, well, let's get Taysom Hill involved more with the with these RPO players. Yes. Man, it ain't work because now everybody knows what you're doing. Exactly. Unless you change that up and let Taysom throw it. Uh. Then then you then you defeating the purpose. See, Taysom's not a natural option quarterback. I mean, you watch him in high school and that Brigh- Brigham Young, come on. He was in a system, hey, in the shotgun, catch it, throw the designated area. Yep. Come on, he wasn't running no option yep. Brigham Young. No, he did. We did take off and run with it. Yep. If nobody got him, uh, say back there, you know, with pressure.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I, I think that part, you know, Sean, baby, better rethink that because now defenses are wise to you. <laughs> yeah, you know they know when he's in there, it ain't, ain't no RPO play. It's RRO. It's run, run option. grab <laughs> just, just <bring> him <laughs> <clears throat> onto the deal. And and I'm not crazy about taking the football. Occasionally, you can do it. I'm not mm-hmm. crazy about taking the football out of number nine hands.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm kind of glad that that. Happened because you know in that Minnesota Vikings game in a wild card round, you know when no, he Taysom was Hill, awesome that game, yeah. When he was all, everybody was like, hey they should have kept the ball in Taysom hands." But I think that Green Bay Packers game show you like why Drew Brees is more qualified uh, to play that position than Taysom. And now he's wanting to
1: do make a play so bad he's making a mistake. Yep, you know because you want to try to help your football team out. Man, listen, I've been around Taysom. He is a great competitor, and he wants to help his team so bad. But a lot of times, as an athlete, you got to understand, you got to relax and just go out there and play. And you can see Taysom is sort of tense a little bit. Man, I want to help my team. I want to make a play. And he makes a mistake. And, you know, so then it becomes not the physical between the ears. You know, you're trying so hard to try to make a play. Uh, And occasionally, that's great. My thing, right. if you're going to use him, use him, you know, coming out the backfield, a little short pass, throw out in the flat, got to beat one guy. Right. One guy, one-on-one, and then he comes <laughs> to the open field after that. Yeah. Uh, so the quarterback deal with him, unless you're willing to let him throw it, then that RRO option, run-run option, man, everybody and their brother knows what's going on now. Yeah. We just type, don't go after the pitch man because he's not pitching it, he's
0: keeping it, he's right. gonna run it right. Yeah, I mean, when I heard like he was uh, they were practicing last week and he was uh, working on a goal line, I was like, well, I think like, maybe they have him passing the ball because I think a an NFL uh, network or reporter said that. And I was looking for him to you know, they they did run a play for him in, in the red zone, you know, at the goal right. line. And, it didn't work. You know, like, I'm like, why why are you not trying to implement some type of passing play to confuse the defense? I mean, I, he is a quarterback. I mean, he he's tough. You know, I mean, he'll lower that shoulder and run over a safety in a minute, but he's still a quarterback. So, I mean, I didn't understand it. I, I really you know, didn't. One
1: of the things, if you could, when you remember back when Tebow had that one season where he was pretty good in the league, right? How he caught you sometimes was. Okay, he's in the shotgun. He takes the ball. He tucks it under his arm like he's going to run and stops and then throws it over the top. Right. And I I remember he did that at Florida against LSU near the right. goal line. He did the exact <laughs> same thing. So, you know, my thought is if I'm going to use him near the goal line, I mean, everybody's going to be jammed. Because right. they think Taysom's going to run it. Yep. My thing is, okay, I'll show you the run look, snap it to him, let him take two steps over the top. Roll your tight end or roll a receiver right over the yep. top. And it's an easy throw for him. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I do think that experiment, um, I might want to unplug that for a little
0: while.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> um, now, you know, i watched enough film on you. I know what you're going to do with it. Exactly. I know what you're going to do. And he's not natural, so to speak. Like you see some guys that can run that triple option. Mm-hmm. And they go down the line of scrimmage with the ball like they're going to keep it or pitch it. Yeah, yeah. And that guy gets in that face and they can throw it, mm-hmm. and it hits that that halfback like that. towel and they can take off run. You watch Taysom. Mm, he he's not <laughs> like that. He's keeping it. He's running it.
0: Yeah, he ain't yeah,
1: looking for the pitch. He's not looking for the pitch. Um Now Jalen Hurts is different. Yeah. Galen's a little bit different, but he ran a lot of that at Alabama. Yeah. Uh, he didn't run nearly that amount at Oklahoma, but no. he ran a lot of that at Alabama, go down the line of scrimmage, and he's keeping it, and you get in his face, and yeah. he'll take one more step, and then he flips it to a back, and that dude's like 25, 30 yards downfield.
0: Right. But with
1: Taysom, he's never played in that type of offense, yes. you know. And so, uh, again, you, I think you got to get away from that. Let number nine throw the ball. Yeah. Let number nine throw it. Let Taysom be used as a runner or receiver coming out of the backfield.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think that uh, Taysom, I think he just gets so excited that his number get cold, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes he don't make no, the right No, he to
1: make a big play.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I, I remember one play – uh, he had the the run, the run pass option. Well, he had the uh, the run run option, as you say. He if he would have gave the ball to Alvin Kamara, it was like on a draw play. Yeah, it was wide it was, open. Yeah, it was like wide open. I think it was against the it was against the Falcons. I think it was on Thanksgiving. Alvin Kamara. I mean, he would have hit his head on a goalpost. I mean, because everybody everybody expected Taysom to run with the football. But I mean, I just think sometimes, like you know, I guess when you're you're on a bench or you don't get your number called as often you get the ball in your hands and you just can't resist, you know, but uh, for the most part, I I know that Taysom, I mean, he is a weapon. I I wish the Saints would kind of open it up a little bit more with him, become a little bit more innovative. And I I think that you'll really see his skills uh, be put, you know, put on display. Uh, But Mike, uh, I want to say thank you very much for being a part of the state of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much uh, for your time, uh, your knowledge of the game and uh, just let everybody know how they can get in touch with you.
1: Um Saintsreport.com, WWL.com, also on the Sports Illustrated Saints News Network.
0: Yeah. And also you check out the second guest show on Mondays on the BWF.com. I got
1: to call me bear down, but we all Com- funny- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I-, 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 I enjoy listening to you two on WWL. I mean, I always check you out and uh it's always fun. I mean, I mean, two guys, I mean, knowledge is just Man, out there, you know what I'm saying? Just always uh, learn something from you all, and and we really do appreciate you. Mike, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you on WWL. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Always my pleasure to be on with you. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right.